to a better world. This is your host, Mitchell J. Raven. This show is going to be continuing a discussion that we have been having lately on a better world involving the integrity of our voting system and our uh, in the integrity of our democracy. Hello. One of our guests is on, and we will be getting to the guests in a moment, Uh, just to continue with what I'm saying here, is to say that uh, many of us across the nation have been extremely disturbed at the very notion that our election has been tampered with by foreign powers. It's enough that they are tampered with through our own domestic issues, Uh, oftentimes matters of prejudice, racism, uh, and the like. Sometimes it's economic injustice and prejudice. But however you uh, dice it, awful as it has often been in our own country, based on our own internal issues, to have the voting system subject to the... uh, the opinions and the wishes and intentions of a foreign power, a third party, outside of we, the United States itself, is severely disturbing, and many of us have been taking actions in regard to doing something about this. So on the line with me now is one of our core team members, Dr. Kelly Senholtz, who has worked in the medical field for more than 35 years. She's held multiple effective leadership positions in medicine during all of this time, but she's also been um, active as an entrepreneur and involved in politics, as well as philanthropic efforts throughout all of her career, while successfully raising a son as a single mother. So she has had her hands full. We shall be also joined momentarily by Gerald Sanders, who has been with us for the last couple of roundtable discussions as well. She's a very successful businesswoman and is the principal in a company that helps entrepreneurs launch new businesses. Changes on Us is one of her organizations dealing with police brutality. And our third guest this evening will be Kirsten Elaine Martin, who has served as a relationship manager and still does for her family company, Sparks, negotiator, liaison, and promoter of clients while removing obstacles and creating opportunities, ensuring that their clients have appropriate exposure, access to resources, and get the best results with their time and effort. So, It's a very interesting, very committed group of people that we have been all cooperating together, collaborating on something that is very dear to each of our hearts. And that is what has brought us forward here in this way over the last few weeks in a very intensive fashion to put our energy, thoughts, and attention together in a creative and very motivated way to see what we can do about this dilemma in which we currently find ourselves of politics driving us in one direction and appreciating and honoring legality of the system and the integrity of our voting and democracy on the other. And sometimes these two are at odds. And today 
we will speak with our guests on the roundtable about how to bridge these gaps and what we can do about it. So I'd like to start with uh, Dr. Kelly Senholtz. You've been a, a wonderful driving force here, Kelly, and I'd love to have you share a little bit of what has been your motivation, what has really uh, gotten you going about this entire subject. Thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. One of the things that has been a common thread throughout my life is that as a citizen of this great country, which we have so many rights and benefits of being born in America or emigrating to America, it's an amazing gift. And one of the things that doesn't get enough talk is the responsibility that goes along with being an American. With this horrible situation which has occurred with our election, it is highlighting the need for people to learn more about how to be a good citizen and how to participate. Yes, I no think that the, 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 the Russian invasion has been spoken of by people like Senator John McCain, who has said it's an act of war. We know that the Russian spies who have been infiltrating our voting systems are also attacking other systems in our country. It's very concerning. And this is a tactic well, that Russia has used. What are you referring to when you say that? What, what are you again? referring to when you say other systems in our country? So in the last week, we know that the very same Russian hacker who was active during the election has hacked into a computer that, although not connected to the system, can be connected to our electrical grid. It's very clear that the tactics Russia's used in other countries to cause chaos and mayhem and cause damage to other countries, they're using the same tactics in our country. We're literally under attack. As, as Senator McCain said, we are at war. Interesting. What other countries are you referring to that you know of that Russia has used similar tactics with? This has been well documented, but I'll give one example. In Ukraine election in 2004, the same people and the same tactics that have been used against us were used to disrupt their election. Thankfully, some great people were able to expose the hacking of their election the response of the Ukrainian people was to march en masse in the streets and demand a new and fair election. And during this time, the Russians actually poisoned the alternate candidate, although he didn't die. Luckily, he made it through and he was able to be successful in a fair election by something like 15 points. It was very clear he was the favored candidate of the people, but when the election was hacked, he had lost by just a few points, which is very similar to what's happened here. The reaction of the Russian people was to rise up and march in the streets and demand that they have a free and fair election, and that is exactly what happened. So interesting. I know that situation is fraught with a good deal more detail <clears throat> than you've just laid out, and I'm not going to go into it because it has to do with the U.S. role in that election, and uh, it, it's a lot more complex. But that's Definitely. Not with, 
that notwithstanding, the point is that what you've outlined here, Kelly, is that there has been this kind of repeated type of cyber hacking into elections and into the body politic of other countries. And that's what we are seeing here. I mean, I think we'd be completely naive and uneducated if we didn't recognize that the United States of America has been doing the same thing to countries across the world since at least the early 1950s. Iran, uh, later Chile, and many, many other countries. There's too much to go into here. But that does not excuse for one moment. These are discrete, distinct issues. And... What has happened here, as you're implying and making clear, is that the Russians got caught. They got caught by a superpower, and it's been made public, and action must be taken. And you have been a force for the good here uh, to help bring that about in the, uh, in the submission of this writ of mandamus that one of our colleagues here, Gerald Sanders, has spent an inordinate amount of time on in the last week or so, five or six days of intense, virtually nonstop activity, drafting, yes, with our uh, additions of editing, but she has been truly the um, commandeer of this process. And I'd like to uh, welcome Gerald Sanders on to A Better World yet again with a big thank you to you, Gerald, for the excellent work that you have been doing all along. And I know that it's getting time for you to rest for about a, a week because of your <laughs> being up for about a week. <laughs> but I'm glad to catch you for at least a few minutes for our roundtable this evening on A Better World. So how are you doing right about now? I'm doing well, Mitchell, and uh, I am very honored to be on your show again with these two wonderful um, women who have participated so uh, diligently in this effort to um, ensure that we have a Republican form of government where our vote matters. And I also thank you for all of your involvement in this effort. Uh, What a team. You're most welcome. Yes. Well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to have you on. And why don't you give us the latest update, if you would, on the disposition of the uh, writ right now in respect to the Supreme Court, and then I'll ask you, if you would, to um, kind of deconstruct it, what it is and why it is. Well, um, the status, which is uh, being managed at this moment by um, Dr. Uh, Kelly, um, is uh, currently uh, will be delivered to the court tonight. Um, uh, and where we go from there is uh, we have a number of activities planned to educate the public about the contents of the writ and to enlist them in our effort to ensure that um, the individuals elected uh, in our federal elections on uh, November uh, eight, yes, um, that they yes. are not uh, seated or permitted to take office because we think there are some uh, individuals amongst them who uh, were not duly elected by um, by the uh, popular vote um, or the popular vote was not significant to really warrant um, their election. 
through our electoral mm-hmm. process. So that's where we are. We're working to, um, again, to nullify this election, and it's all about process. It's not about candidates. It's about ensuring that our process is clean, that there's, that there's integrity, and that the results are reliable. Excellent. Excellent. That's what we need. I made the point earlier that our uh, voting and election cycle has been not exactly hacked, although sometimes it has been, but it's been internal. And while it's ugly and it's based on our own internal psychological issues as a country, as a nation, as a people, uh, it's somehow distinctly different than when we are attacked and manipulated from the outside of our own country. And while I don't stand by, and none of us does here, uh, by the internal strife that goes on having to do with uh, race and color and creed and the like, um, economic strata, which has been the case uh, for many, many decades, still in all, it's not that we're in denial of any of that. But at the same time, we're even more so appalled at what it's like to be hacked by an external third party, namely another, and in this case, somewhat adversarial country. So the work you've been doing has been stellar, and now just audience, so you understand, it is being submitted, filed this evening. So this is a historical show in that regard, because there's sort of like a before and after this particular submission to the Supreme Court and what the face of our country will look like, what the face of our democracy will look like before and after. Kirsten, you have been a driving force behind our core team, and uh, so you all know, you know, I am part of that core team, and not only Mitchell Rabin, but A Better World has been standing squarely behind this whole idea of upholding the rule of law, our involvement is not political. It is specifically, as Gerald was saying, having to do with the upholding of a legal process and honoring it to the full extent of the law and the Constitution. So, Kirsten, uh, what got you so hot and bothered about this, that you'd be playing the leadership role that you've been? Well, you know, thank you so much, Mitchell. And I I, want to say, first of all, that my entire way of thinking about and talking about politics, civics, um, everything has completely changed um, since the election on on November 8th, but especially recently in working with you and Kelly and Gerald and other people who um, prefer sometimes to remain anonymous. But um, Mm -hmm. the difference um, between now and then is when I have discussions with you, and uh, oftentimes we don't agree on things and we'll disagree, but, you know, we are talking to figure out what um, is happening, what is true, and what to do about it, as opposed to trying to push our candidate or our position on one another. And it's a very radical um, um, change, and part of it came out of my own evolution. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I I do want to say one thing, though. When you talked about um, in the past we had internal hacking, I actually found out just yesterday that um, what happened in the Ukraine um, with regards to um, the Russian hacking, a lot of those individuals um, 
evidently or supposedly um, were also involved in, you know, hacking U.S. elections in the past. But what happens is nobody, you know, we are so unaware of what's really going on and we're so busy fighting for our particular issue, our particular candidate, that we don't pay mm-hmm. attention. And so finally we've reached this apocalyptic moment in which the results and the, and the effects of our collective inattention, inaction, you know, we're all, um, you know, I, I have stopped watching the Bachelorette or The Bachelor, even though I used to make fun of it, I realize that whenever I'm spending time on things that are, um, you know, not of high value in terms of information, you know, that it, it affects my own ability to participate in, in, in the society. But um, back to your original question, um, Michael Morrell, who was the former director of the CIA, has um, since then referred to what happened with the Russian hacking as our political 9-11. And it's very interesting because the night of the election, you know, I, like m- most of my friends and even not my friends, every, as you said on a show earlier, we were all shocked because we all knew whether we were supporting mm-hmm. her or not. Hillary Clinton was going to win by a landslide, and all the pollsters agreed. And, you know, Nate Silver got mad because a few pollsters said it was a 90% chance. He was saying it was only 75%. But what the shock was was the morning after I woke up, I literally felt like I had been bombed. I felt like I was in some kind of a – I felt like I was in a 9-11 experience. But, but I couldn't have conversations with anyone because people were either super depressed and shocked or they were already saying things like, time to move on, he won, or they were trying to normalize what was not wow. normal to any of us. So, so a lot of the yeah. pollsters since that time have recreated reality to somehow justify the results by saying that the polls were incorrect. And so they went around and interviewed certain groups of people, white women of certain age, Black people, and, and you know, uh, you know, so African Americans, you know, didn't turn out in the numbers they were supposed to. You know, nobody talks about the fact that there was voter suppression keeping those numbers down, right? And then, you know, white women are being blamed because they voted for Trump. And what I learned, you know, afterwards is none of us really know who voted for whom. And you know, while we're all pointing fingers and blaming one another, and you know, Bernie supporters are blaming, you know, Hillary and you know, Jill Stein and all, all you know. Meanwhile, the, the bad guys, they were sitting there, you know, in all of this confusion, just moving ahead and just consolidating literally what was a coup, right? So right after the yes. election, I knew, it was, I knew that something terrible had happened, and I just knew that the election was incorrect. But the first thing I faced was finding anybody that would, you know, would, would corroborate that with me. And so the first thing I was trying to do was find people who would at least be willing to look at the possibility that the election was not what it appeared to be. And so in the beginning, I was working with people who were focusing on the Electoral College and and then talking about voter irregularities in Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, et cetera. Then at Thanksgiving, I was with my family, and um, I got shocked that even people I thought would be wanting to hear about my revelation about discoveries that were made and, you know, the chance to turn the Electoral College and, the, you know, the, vote, the obvious um, voter irregularities. You know, I was told by very educated people who are often progressive, Kirsten, if it's not in the mainstream news, it didn't happen. You know, Greg Palace, who has done extensive work on this <laughs> issue for years, is marginalized. People think he's crazy. Why is he crazy, Mitchell? Because nobody else listens to him because we don't want to know. Sometimes we don't want to really face the truth, right? But, you know, so yeah. I, I actually had someone comment to me, if it's not in the New York Times, you know, if, if there were really voter suppression or voter irregularities in Wisconsin, 
I would hear about it. So three days later, when a group I was involved with actually helped break audit the vote into the mainstream media, I called this person up and said, okay, do you believe it now, you know, that it's in the mainstream media? So, you know, my hope got up. My hope was, you know, ruined and dashed because even Jill Stein went so far, but she gave up and, you know, people accused her of trying to, you know, earn, you know, money at, at you know, others' expenses. And Hillary kind of pitched in, but again, it was like we were a bunch of, of completely disparate interests, no, no unifying force, all just trying to kind of gain some kind of an advantage, right? So then the Electoral College was going to, you know, maybe flip, and I knew it wouldn't flip because I was one of the people doing research on the electors, and the electors were a lot of the same people who actually I saw on their Facebook pages bragging about the voter suppression they were involved in. So the idea that we would be able to churn people who were benefiting from the crime that happened, and it was ludicrous. So, so where do I go? So here's where I come to Gerald Sanders and then Ke- Dr. Kelly Sennelt and then you, Mitchell, who popped out a little after that, but very powerfully. Um, and what I decided to kind of like look for new solutions because the first five we tried didn't work. So I listened to a radio interview by Gerald Sanders on um, Tom Joyner's radio show, and she was talking about process. And I got mad at her because I was still very, very pro-Hillary, and I was very upset with people like you, Mitchell, who voted for Jill Stein or whatever. We were enemies with people like you. So I'm listening to, to Gerald Sanders talk about a new election. I thought, great, new election. Yes, and she must know that Hillary is the right one with all the same, you know. And all of a sudden, people start calling into the radio show saying terrible things about Hillary, and Gerald would not defend her. And they would say terrible things about someone else or nice things. And no matter what they said, Gerald said, you know what? That may or may not be true, but I'm not talking about a candidate. And I'm not talking about an issue. I'm talking about a process. So I called this woman up and I said, you know, I don't know what you're doing. And I have to admit I'm angry at you because you've got the wrong opinions about Hillary. And I had a very long conversation with her, which I won't share what her opinions really are or not. But somehow, the only solution that even looked like, even though ironically it was the biggest, hardest, most long-term solution that seemed the most impossible, it seemed like the only one that wouldn't divide everyone, but on the other hand, could maybe give everyone a fighting chance in an equal playing field. So I started delving into this, and over time, with Gerald and then with Kelly, Kelly who has now not 68,000 but 70,000 Twitter followers and who was raising money for, um, you know, to get lawyers to basically throw out the election. So we came together, but we still didn't know, well, what does that mean? How are you going to do it, right? So, so somehow, and I, I don't know how Gerald came about this, but she figured out the only way, not only was a new election the only solution, but the only way to that solution through the Supreme Court. And, you know, and, and the only way to the Supreme Court was going to be through the Guarantee Clause. That sounds great, except the Guarantee Clause has been shot down every time. And the top constitutional lawyers, all of whom, or a number of whom we've been speaking with numerous occasions, told us, oh, it's too bad we've been trying for years to prove that point, but it's not going to work for this reason and that reason and that reason. And so, you know, the, the, the crowning blow, though, I have to say, was when President Obama came out on his press conference before he left for Hawaii, because I still thought, wait, the knight in shining armor is going to come in and save us because he knows what's going on. He's not going to leave us stuck, right? And then for him to come out 
and completely deny what we all know happened, then I, beca- I, I just realized, you when know, you our leaders that, in the so- yeah. Be, wait, be specific about what you're saying. Yes, I will be very specific. I'll be very specific. Because at the time, it was just a gut instinct. But the thing I'm doing now is I'm not, I'm not watching mainstream media. I'm not even trusting anything until I verify it. I'm going to the original source. And while we're doing this journey, a lot of people who didn't believe we had a chance and you know what, to succeed, kept coming to us and still sharing information with us because they, sh- they, they had a little hope that maybe – we were going to succeed, and these people have been fighting for years to bring to light all of the abuses, the hacking, the, all, everything. So yes. in addition, to, so, so the FBI comes out with a report with the Department of Homeland Security last week, clear Russian malicious cyber activity with a clear intention to not only take over our election, to infiltrate the government, the private sector, and the power grid. And respected journalist Andrea Chalupa who's been following these issues for years, you know, I asked her, what, what do you think about um, the, the veracity of this report? And she said, you know what, the FBI, if they say it's 100%, you know, they wouldn't say it if, if not otherwise. She said, this is the most solid evidence of anything that we need in a new election. So, you know, President Obama knew about all of that. I mean, there are people who have briefed President Obama personally twice or more, you know, the scientific community represented by activist Brent Turner, who has been very brave about um, saying he'll, he'll, and he would love to talk on your show too, Mitchell. You know, he told me all of the things that everyone has discovered. And, and here's the other revelation. You don't have to prove that a candidate was favored, although we know one was. You, all you have to say is, do you have confidence that your vote, that you have, your vote counted and that it mattered, okay? And so with all of the, you know, just all of the problems in our system and all of the, you know, Bob Baer, the intelligence community telling us, telling us that this is an act of war and we're going to lose our democracy and we need a new election. So, you know, I put two and two together and I said, you know, President Obama knows all of this and for some reason known as, peaceful transition of power he's decided to walk away but you know it, the 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 stab, the extra stab in the back was when michelle obama came out and said now we all know what it's like to be without hope and she said and we're all going to appreciate what it was like to have an adult in the white house and i said to myself really you're telling us that even though you're still the president and first lady you have no hope and you're okay with handing over the keys to a child a narcissistic sociopathic child with a machine gun and there are other children still in the house and you're going to leave and say, now you guys are going to know what it was like to have an adult in the house. I mean, you know, it's okay. It's, it's, Thank okay. You. So there you go. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sorry. Yeah. No, the points are, are well made. It's scary. I get the feeling that the Obamas have already left. They're there in body, but not in spirit. And it's premature because he's being called upon like, maybe no other time in his entire eight-year administration to stand up for the rule of law. And uh, right now he's shrugging his shoulders. But I'd like to quote something that he said to us at the very beginning of his administration. In fact, even before it formally began and uh, when he was president-elect, if I recall, and anyone please correct me if I have the timing a bit off, but he said, make me do it. 
I'm going to put out what I will, but this is basically a game. It changes about you, and it comes from you. I am here to execute, but you have to make me do it. And interestingly, if I'm not mistaken, again, he was quoting FDR, who said the same thing. And (laughs) this is what I have learned about process. And Kelly, I think you very much come from the same place. This is something called participatory democracy. That doesn't mean you vote and then you sit back. Because when you sit back, you forget the wise words of Thomas Jefferson, who said that democracy requires constant vigilance, without which we do not have a democracy. The price of democracy is eternal vigilance, I think is more the accurate accurate quote. And this is something that Americans just don't learn, and it's not in our schools. Civics is hardly taught anymore, and a sense of social responsibility, as you were speaking about before, Kelly, um, is just not present in our cyber, high-tech, texting world. Kids don't learn a sense of, responsi- of social responsibility. I remember even when I was a young guy doing a junior year abroad in France, I was so impressed with how people were talking politics in the cafes all the time, not sometimes, all the time. They were always involved and engaged in some level of social responsibility. Now, I happen to have been raised that way where I was born in New York and raised in Connecticut. It just happened to be the the zeitgeist, if you will, of my family and my community. We were always thinking about uh, the world from another person's point of view who are less advantaged than we were. And we were always seeking to be of assistance and to be attentive to the needs of the people who weren't as well off. And yet, this is something I find is dragging behind. And the work that we're all doing, I hope, is somewhat exemplary for people. And Kelly, with your large Twitter uh, group and the work that you've been doing for so long, what, do you, what is your read on what is going on inside our culture from this point of view? You know, interestingly enough, I find that people think that if they post their opinions on Facebook or Twitter, it's a form of vote. They're saying how they feel, and they feel like the the culmination of that energy will make a difference, and I'm not here to disagree. However, there are some basic responsibilities of a citizen, including voting, being on a jury, paying your taxes, certain things that we do as a society to work together and make this a better world. And one of the things that people don't know how to do, as we've moved through this, I'm realizing this is the lesson I'm pulling out of this. People really don't know how to be an active participant in the political Mm -hmm. society, how to speak up that protesting may be part of the lesson, how to get to know your community, your neighbors, people around you that may disagree with you or agree with you, become part of community groups, neighborhoods, um, organizations where you're getting to know people outside your little bubble and becoming a community that speaks as one voice. 
we've become very isolated with the earphones in our ear walking around. And and as Kirsten said, the the lack of knowledge and understanding about civics and civic responsibility is at an epidemic proportion and puts people at a very vulnerable position for propaganda to leak into their ear. I think this is one of the biggest problems. The education, the love, the community, the, the, if you're out there and you are a good person, that means you're capable of being a leader in your little world. And I, if there's anything I would implore everybody listening to this radio is, is get up and do something to be a part of the community and, and to give and to participate and to create this thing we call America and not just wait for the proverbial they to show up and fix everything because at this point the they's are really just a handful of people um, fighting against a really huge force of Russian intervention, um, oligarchs, people with a lot of money who can sway things. There's a lot of forces in the world right now, and 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 we have to beef up the energy of the citizenry, and this needs to happen very quickly. Oh, my. Beautifully stated. I really so agree. For the longest time, I had a link on my and a whole section of my website called Participatory Democracy, and uh, going back to the year 2000, actually. And uh, <clears throat> I found it was getting so little traffic. Sadly, I ultimately removed it. You know, I put it into oh suspension. I, I, it wasn't because I wanted to. I, it just seemed like it was... Uh, digression for people and I just couldn't get it. I mean, on A Better World I talk about a lot of things having to do with health and wellness and consciousness and neuroscience and spirituality and in the environment and greening America and greening the planet and all sorts of things. I found that people were not interested in the idea of participation. Democracy sounds good. Yeah, I vote once every four years. Fantastic. Little do they know, that's step one of democracy. Step one, voting. (laughs) Not everything. Gerald, would you kindly lay out again for our audience, those who may have missed the, the prior shows that I was fortunate enough to have you on as a guest, articulating the basis of what this roundtable is fundamentally about. And that has to do with the rule of law and why we have spent so many hours over the past weeks in generating this writ and what the writ means. Are you with us there, Gerald? Or did we lose her? We may have lost her. <laughs> okay. Kelly, would you like to pick up on that? Maybe she just uh I really took would up. like to say a little bit about how magnificent Gerald is. And this is something she's an ordinary person who saw something that needed to be done and realized that, you know, when you say they're going to do it, she was the they. It's not that she 
was appointed leader or elected or she just knew that as a citizen in this world, she had the capability and the time and the ability to make this happen. She has worked day and night working with lawyers, with educators, with people all over the country to formulate this writ, which speaks the voice of the people. She's extremely talented at taking diverse ideas and putting them together to speak a singular voice. And the voice that we're speaking right now is that our country cannot survive if the citizens are not selecting the leaders. It's a foundational argument of our country. And if we allow this to stand, what we're saying is we give up. We, we are no longer a democracy, and we are no longer the America that we built, and it's over. And she and I and Kirsten fiercely object to that contention. We believe in this country. We are all passionately Americans who believe in the ideas and the ideals that guide the foundation of this country, the laws and rules which help us live together in peace and harmony are being distorted and disturbed by outside forces in such a, a perverse way. We just can't stand and let that be. And we invite every one of you listening to join us and be part of this, no matter how small your contribution, a letter, a call, a word, joining in full force, whatever you can do, join us and help us take back this country so the voice of the people is the guiding voice. Beautiful. Mitchell? Thank you. Uh, Kirsten? Yes, please. Yes. Weigh in. And then I, yes. I want to frame this yes. for ourselves and for our audience. So they understand right. in a very concrete way what we are up against, up beginning tomorrow. Yep, Please and I've got some action in. items, and, and I'm very excited. Thank oh, you, good. Kelly. Just to segue on what Kelly's saying, I would agree on some ways that Gerald is an ordinary person. On the other hand, she has done extraordinary things, as has Kelly, and, and you also until her entire life. But what, what struck me as being different about the three of us and, and you also and other people that joined us, everyone was coming at us with solutions that were going to solve someone's particular problem. Or it was a short-term solution, and it was based on you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, so this is all you can do. It's the easy way out, or it's the quick fix, or it's going to keep the Republicans from being always trying to jockey between the two interests. Instead, we took that. We we stepped back and said, you know, it's it's harder. And on the other on the other hand, it's the only way you can do it is to say, what is the true solution to the problem, and what is it that is going to make our, as you say, Mitchell, a better world. And so, yeah. in this case, you know, we were determined that we we the three of us said in the beginning, we're fighters. We're not giving up. We know there's a solution to this problem. We know that it's impossible for 300 million people to be bullied by one person and his henchmen. And it's not about that particular candidate. But on the other hand, that's where we've come to, that, that grown people are looking at, at a person that represents nothing that any one of us claim to stand for. And yet we all throw up our hands and say, oh, Congress can't do anything. President can't do anything. We're sure the Supreme Court can't do anything. So we're just going to figure out 
how to normalize, get along, and we'll talk about the next elections. So we, we, we couldn't do that, as Kelly said. We couldn't step back. But now we have action items for everyone. We have a writ of mandamus that's being delivered tonight to the Supreme Court. It will be there first thing in the morning. We would have loved to get it there this morning, but we had obstacles, printing places were closed, whatever. Whatever obstacle, we just remove it. It's a federal However, holiday now, after all. Let's be yes. honest and about so it. We just, <laughs> yes, and we just kept having things hurled at us, and we just kept saying, we're just going to keep moving forward. So lo and behold, tomorrow the Supreme Court is going to have this beautiful writ of mandamus asking them to declare a permanent injunction, or they could start with a temporary injunction forbidding Vice President Biden from swearing in a slate of candidates that we all know to be illegitimate. Now, I'm not saying who actually is legit. We don't know who got the vote. So none of them are legitimate. And so the first thing we're going to ask everyone to do, and I was taught by an organizer tonight who will remain anonymous for, for her own, um, at her own request, she told me how simple it is for us to blow up Vice President Biden's phone. Now, now Mitchell, you wrote a beautiful letter, and I understand you've written another one tonight. We're going to get that up Capitol Hill and get things buzzing. But each of us are going to reach out to, we're going to get 20 people to agree to make a phone call to Vice President Biden's office, and we're going to tell him that there is a writ of mandamus in front of the Supreme Court telling him he's not allowed to swear in these candidates, And if 20 people from each of us then each get one more person and tell them to get one more person, his phone's going to blow up and it's going to be the talk of the town. And we're going to get this out on Twitter and we're going to get this on CNN and we're going to get it everywhere because it's a fact that even though people said it couldn't be done, now we have the Supreme Court with a perfect excuse to do their job and to stop Mm -hmm. this, this coup from taking place. So it's very simple Everyone, and I'm trying to find right now, um, President, President's um, number, if you're going to be talking some more, I can spend time here checking out and give you the number before we get off. Everyone can call his office and just oh, yes. express Please their opinion. Oh, yes, give the phone number. Yes. That would be I'm going to find helpful. it. In the meantime, if you want to take over here, I'm going to be looking for the number. Just come back to me in a few minutes, and I will have it for you. Okay. We'll be on only for a few more minutes anyway. Okay. But I'm going to find I'd that like number. I'd like to follow up on that, Kirsten, uh, for the clarification of everything going on here. It's very important for all to understand that while we all have our own political passions and mentors and favorites and all of that, parties, ideologies, and all of that, uh, that is not at all where we are going with this. This is not about party whatsoever or favorite candidate. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with what each person here in this roundtable has implied in one way or another. This is about the rule of law, and we are either a nation that lives by the rule of law or we are not, and we are living in some form of two-tiered, three-tiered system of justice or some form of anarchy or... or monarchy, or dictatorship, Uh, you know, take your choice. But as the United States of America was originally set up by the Founding Fathers, it is based completely on a rule of law, and the first rule is the Constitution. And what we have found that in the Constitution, there's something called Article 4, Section 4, which means that the United States, the national 
federal government is to protect every state and the integrity of its voting. And if it falls short of that protection, something must occur to reverse it. And that's what this is about. We have pleaded here now through this writ that is being filed this evening. So that makes this show rather historical in nature uh, because it's occurring on the same very time that this is being filed at the Supreme Court to say that we do not believe that the United States government has acted properly in in accordance with the Constitution to protect the state's In fact, it has failed in its duty, and we have proof of it from that very same United States government's agencies, 17 of them if you want to count, starting with the CIA and the FBI, the most notable of all 17 agencies, who have said publicly and declared that there was hacking and manipulation with the intention of putting one candidate in over the other in these November 8th elections. Now, whether they had an intention to do so, if there was one iota of manipulation or hacking in any way that could possibly uh, affect the outcome, it is illegal and it should be thrown out on that basis alone, even if they failed. But of course, technology is so advanced these days, and one of the hackers is said to be the world's finest hacker. I think he's up for a couple of awards. And if he wants to erase his footprints after he has gone in, like I said the other night, sort of like disappearing ink, invisible ink, now it's there, now it's gone, it's the same idea. There are very sophisticated ways to remove IP addresses and the like, so you don't even know people were there. Except if you're one step more sophisticated technologically and can tell through the the whisperings, if you will, the energy field around, you can tell there are footprints nonetheless, even of people having left prints, interestingly enough. So not to go too far down that rabbit hole, the point is, that we have proof positive that we were hacked, and as a result, we, this group of fundamentally four or five of us, have been adamant and persistent in broadcasting this message through this radio show, through social media, and every other means that we have had at our disposal to let people know. Next, we'll be standing on the rooftops to let people know that we have been hacked and that it requires certain specific legal action to nullify this election and call for a new one. Otherwise, as Kelly was basically implying, we are living in nothing more than a banana republic. Our democracy is in jeopardy. It has lost its substance and our standing in the world will have lost its substance. That's how important this stand we have all taken is. So tomorrow, Vice President Biden, who is the president of the Senate by definition, will be overseeing the ratification of those individuals who were not elected but selected 
for office by a foreign power. So we have been outspoken in demanding, not requesting, demanding that he not ratify anyone, defer the process until the Supreme Court has ruled. And we've also asked all Congress and all senators to also take a similar stand and not be party to any such ratification of people who would have been selected instead of elected by the American people. Kelly. So well said. I want to add one thing to what you said. So beautifully succinct. I, I want to give a shout out to all my Twitter followers. Hello. I love you guys. I really love you guys. Um, one of the things that I want to point out that I keep getting questions on, the news is saying there's no evidence that votes were tampered with. And I cannot disagree with that enough. But I will say this. We know for sure that a man who has been called the top hacker in the world was inside the voting machines in multiple states. If somebody believes that we can trust the election that came out of those hacked machines, I think that's crazy. We also know that the names he pulled out caused those people to be given a provisional ballot and when you have a provisional ballot, your odds of having that ballot thrown out are ex- extremely higher. In other words, we know for sure that statistically, many of those people were robbed of their vote because when they showed up, there was their name wasn't on the roll because it had been removed by hackers. So for for people in the news to say honestly that no votes were changed is absolutely incorrect and i really want to get that point across again love you guys hello to all the twitter followers thanks and (laughs) spread the word beautiful so appreciate that yes uh kirsten you're back okay yes i just wanted to let you know um not surprisingly they don't have um an easy way to find um vice president's phone number so i have um a way around that for everyone First of all, you're going to go on Twitter, at, and it's at VP, and you're going to tweet to him. Everyone's going to tweet to him that we have a writ of mandamus at the Supreme Court, and he is not allowed to swear in the candidates. Perfect. Also, I'm going to give both the Twitter handle of myself and Dr. Kelly, Dr. Senholtz, so that you can find later today we are going to have – people are giving us the right phone number um, tonight, and we will get it up on Twitter so you know exactly what number to call to blow up Vice President Biden's phone. So her Twitter handle is at MTNMD, M like Mary, T like Tom, N like Nancy, M like Mary, D like dog. And my Twitter handle is Kirsten Elaine One, which is K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-L-A-I-N-E-1. We will both, within half an hour to an hour, have Vice President Biden's phone number available. In the meantime, just tweet him and read I Wait yes. a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, yes. My Twitter handle is at a better oh. world web. At a better Thank world you. web. And I have activated my intern, as I discussed earlier with you and Kelly. Yay. And she will be on it. And here is a phone number to the White House 
switchboard and they will switch you in immediately. I've had this number in my contact list for a long yeah. time and I have used it many times. And here it is, 202-456-1414, 202-456-1414. Any of you want a fax? No problem. 202-456-2461. 202-456-2461. It's funny to talk about faxing when you're talking about tweeting, isn't it? <laughs> hey, Mitchell, could you please tell them what to say when they call? Yes. Dear Vice President Biden, <laughs> we urge and demand that you do not ratify selected uh, Congress people. President Tin selected them. The American people didn't vote for them. I hope that was under 140 characters. And <laughs> if you need to send a second, well, do it. Do not ratify the selected uh representatives or senators until the Supreme Court has ruled the election on the election. We are nullifying the election results. Please defer until further notice. <laughs> All of a sudden I felt like anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a really long tweet. Repeat your Twitter handle. At a better world web. You got a new Thank fan, you. Mitchell. I'm going to start listening to all your radio programs. <laughs> <laughs> You're cute. <laughs> thank it's you, true. Kristen. Well, I listen, need to educate I want to just thank you continuously. both. Yes, I'm so glad. I still have a letter, another letter to write to Vice President <laughs> Biden right now as we That's wrap right. up We're our waiting. roundtable. Kelly, would you like to make last comments to your uh, to our audience? Kelly, are you still with us? We, the people, are much stronger than the Russian mob. We're much stronger than the oligarchs. We're much stronger than everybody who is trying to distort our world. If we just stick together and work together to build better communities from the ground up, Join us. Beautiful. Dr. Kelly Good Stenholz, day. I so appreciate you and all that you've been bringing forth for a long time, and it's really a pleasure and honor to have met you and for us to be collaborating together on this incredibly important uh, project. So thank you again. Thank you both. Thank Good you. Good night. Kirsten, Elaine Martin, thank you for being the driving force. You are a dear, and everyone appreciates you. Thanks again. So, again, we've had another interesting roundtable, and I can't emphasize enough, as each one of our guests has here, uh, the importance. We're, we're teetering on the brink of, I don't know how to put it, global political disaster. It's like uh, Hanakiri, you know, if you could... Think of that Japanese notion of self-suicide. It really is that idea 
of just uh, hoisting ourselves up on our own batard here <clears throat> because of this inertia that seems to just overcome the nation that I'm listening to the news. Of course, I've had other things I would have wanted to say to uh, Kirsten in light of what she was referring to with the mainstream media. I mean, many of us left the mainstream media so long ago, it's not even funny. That's one of the reasons I started A Better World Radio and TV as a the need for honest, honorable, inspiring, and truthful media because you ain't going to find it on CNN and the rest of the national networks. It's They are part of the entertainment departments of their respectations. People don't get this. They are selling news. Their commitment is not to the truth. It's to ratings. And the ratings is, are generated by uh, people watching for titillation. And the advertisers respond accordingly. It's an entirely different type of paradigm than alternative news. Not fake news. No, no, no. Alternative media and a better world is one of many that are giving voice to this kind of truthful and God willing, inspiring content that can move people forward in their lives and give their lives a sense of richness and meaning and excitement. All of the above are important. Well, I'm saying let's all collectively, as Kelly kept emphasizing, collectively get excited about preserving on the affirmative side the integrity of our democracy. And in order to do that, if we find that we have been hacked, which we have, verified by 17 intelligence agencies, are they all lying? That's what we have to ask ourselves. No. Have they lied in the past? Yes, they have. Proof positive weapons of mass destruction. Why? Because the Bush-Cheney team forced the director of the CIA into compliance. That's my opinion. And I think there's proof of it. Forced him into compliance. And that's why it went the way it did. So, I know that's often cited by Trump et al. as proof that the CIA's word cannot be trusted. But that is just hogwash. There is a lot they do that I do not approve of at all throughout the world. That's a whole different conversation, which I have had here on these airwaves. But that's not the point. The point is that, by and large, the rank-and-file CIA uh, member operative is uh, a diligent, thoughtful, conscientious person who is doing his or her job with tremendous danger in front of them. I mean, these are not easy jobs. <clears throat> and there is fundamental integrity through and through. And are there, ex are there bad apples, bad actors? Oh, you betcha, just as there are everywhere. But thankfully, that is a minority in every single case of every field across the world. Maybe perhaps an exception is Big Pharma and Monsanto. Oh, we'll talk about that another time. 
But uh, by and large, we have 17 agencies that are corroborating, saying some very specific things, like Kelly was talking about, and uh, Grizzly Step, etc. They've got concrete evidence. And for those interested in asking such questions, go dig in, do your own Google research or wherever or whatever. But it is there for the taking and the picking and the researchers. So what our point is, is that we have a writ of mandamus that is being submitted and we will be able to act on this. And we urge you to demand. Remember, they work for us. Demand, respectfully, by the way, courteously, by the way, our leaders to adhere to the rule of law. And if there is a question about it, to delay and defer until clarity is reached, in this case, by a ruling of the Supreme Court. So, I hope that's very clear. And if this goes forward as we expect it will, through major public outcry of those listening to this show and listening to our many expressions through social media, through Kelly's, through A Better World, we will be able to um, command what really needs to take place on behalf of the people and the integrity of our democracy. So on that note, I want to just thank you all for listening yet again. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. We are on every week, uh, Wednesdays at 6 p.m., and then special shows as needed, such as this. Everything is available in our archive. If you do not yet get our free newsletter, please go to abetterworld.tv. It announces who our guests will be on for the week on the TV show every Monday evening. If you do not live in Manhattan, and most people do not, uh, you can still watch it online. At the same time, it is webcast at www.abetterworld.tv. Just click at the top and click through at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Mondays. Tonight we had Bert Hellinger, famous psychoanalyst from Germany, who lived in South Africa for many years and worked closely with Mandela to um, bring about a peaceful resolution to the change from apartheid, an apartheid nation, to a biracial nation of South Africa. Very interesting, very interesting work. And one of my mentors in the work that I do in the field of psychology and counseling. So... I want to make another announcement here, which is that a very dear friend of mine, if I can find his message, yes, uh, Don Slepian, who has been a guest on these airwaves as well, wonderful pioneering musician, is going to be performing on Saturday, January 14th in Brooklyn at the Firehouse Space, 2246 Frost Street in Brooklyn, performed by Electric Diamond, that's Don Slepian and Stuart Diamond. If you go to www.electricdiamond.com, electricdiamond.com, you can learn more about it. It's called Impressions of an Exhibition, based on modest 
Mazorski's Pictures at an Exhibition. Very interesting. So I would definitely suggest you do that. I know Don for many, many years, and he's got a beautiful, beautiful feeling for the keyboards, and uh, I think you should definitely, definitely be there. We need a little break and a little rest from all the intensity that we have been mustering here at A Better World on behalf of our nation. Also remember that we are a nonprofit 501c3, and we are able to sustain because of your kind and generous contributions to us. You can make those through PayPal at our website, abetterworld.tv, or just contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net, mjr, my initials, at abetterworld.net, and we can make arrangements for you to get the tax deduction. We are so happy to share that with you to provide that service and your donations of any size truly help us do our work. So thank you again, and please get into action as Kelly and Kirsten and Gerald and myself have been saying all night, and I look forward to seeing you all 